0: Hey what's up everybody this is Charles Sabansi from The Dreamers Pro Show and we want to welcome you guys to The Dreamers Pro Podcast where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let's get into today's topic. As you guys know uh, Deion Sanders uh, in the Colorado Buffaloes they're um, amping up or preparing for a game uh, that they have again, uh, that they have this Saturday, that a lot of us are psyched and hyped up for. I was just listening to Keyshawn Johnson this morning on Undisputed Live, where he was talking about had it not been for Deion Sanders, he would not even be rooting for the Colorado uh, Buffaloes. And I find myself in the same position. I'm someone that rarely follows football, let alone follows it collegially at a collegiate level. So to have people like myself bringing in new fans, I think that's a great thing. I think that is a fantastic thing something that pushes the sport forward, right? But of course, there's some people out there that take exception to this. And one of those people, by the way, is one Jason Whitlock, who was someone in the past uh funny enough who I used to think was a smart guy, uh very well spoken, um bold, risk taker, isn't afraid to go against the grain, and that's what I knew him for. But it's only until it's only up until recently I'm starting to listen Uh, to him because I've been following some of the things that he's been saying about uh, Coach Prime Deion Sanders and I've disagreed with a plethora of the things that uh, he's been saying but he's been on this campaign and I think that he's using this as a moment to propel himself even further because he knows if he takes a contrarian position against Deion Sanders then ultimately he's going to be in the airwaves people are going to be talking about him and he's going to capitalize off of it which is going to bring him a lot of views bring him a lot of revenue to his show his podcast Uh, the company he represents, et cetera. So this morning, uh, while, what was I doing? I forgot what I was doing this morning. Anyway, um, I came across a show uh, from Jason Whitlock. And in this show, he decided to take things to a different level. You see, in the past, he was very critical of Deion Sanders, the man, um, talking about the way that he dresses, talking about the way he behaves, and then, of course, questioning his masculinity by comparing the man to a female tiktoker a tiktoker in his mind and maybe in some of his supporters mind this is all fair game this is all inbound i don't see what the issue is yeah a grown man married man with, with wife and kids yeah i'm comparing him to a female i don't understand what's the issue i mean how is that disrespectful i don't get it is there any i mean i don't understand what's the this is where we are with this right so this morning i was listening to him and it seems like uh jason whitlock had ran out of things to say about uh Deion Sanders the the the, the parent uh, the the man and now he started to target his kids and in this particular case he was targeting the quarterback Shador uh Sanders and he started taking it to a place that even me as I'm listening to him I'm like bro I mean like what's what's the problem like isn't enough enough now you're going after the guy's kids his kids this is where it is with it. this is what this is what it's come to so what I wanna do is I wanna play some of the comments that he had to make about uh, Dion Sanders' son. I want you guys to listen carefully, very carefully, uh, to the points he tried to make, and then we're gonna come back and react to what he had to say. Take a listen to what Jason Whitlock had to say here.
1: But he actually lives in Boulder, Colorado, and Dion's son, not following the lead of his dad because Dion spoke first, and then Shiloh comes in afterwards, not mirroring the attitude of his dad, actually says, you know, if I see him, and he says it with a smile, but he says it still. He just wrote a check that if he sees Henry Blackburn, there could be trouble. Once again, Henry Blackburn lives in Boulder, Colorado. There's a chance over the next year or two that they may see each other. And Dion's son has written a check. Does he plan on cashing it? This kind of back and forth talk, and again, when you invite the entire uh, rap world into your program, you know what comes along with the rap world? Beef. You know what happens when there's beef in the rap world? Violence. We've seen plenty of it. That whole mentality. That and this is where again, where Dion promotes a lot of Christian values, but what is he actually injecting into his program? Rap values. And so his son, I'm sure I said it with a smile, and of course this is what I, blah, blah. He's not marrying Dion's mentality. He's not marrying Travis Hunter's mentality. And so as Shamika likes to say, I'm a fruit inspector. And so Dion Sanders' son is Dion's fruit. Hmm, what does that fruit sound like? What Dion's talking about, and does it raise questions about oh, this is what Dion's saying in front of the camera? What's he saying behind the scenes to his actual team because his son is saying something completely different? I find it interesting. Let's note that and remember that. The last thing I want to talk about as it relates to fruit inspection, and when I talk about the values being instilled, reinforced, promoted uh, within the Colorado football program. And and I want to, once again, examine the fruit. Shador Sanders, who is a hell of a quarterback, hell of a player. But he's also arrogant. And if he were white, people would be calling him arrogant and a punk. He's kind of like Christian Laettner. And that's why uh, I make the Duke comparison. That Colorado is the black devils. You know, Duke is the blue devils. Colorado is the black devils. This arrogance. And so I read a USA Today story about Shador Sanders, who's already driving a Maybach. And they got a story now. He wants a Rolls Royce. And and Dion actually had Tom Brady call his son to tell him he didn't need a Rolls Royce. Now, Shador is the kid that pregame, big gold chain, Rolex watch, flashing in another kid's faces before the game. That's Shador Sanders, the Christian Laettner of Colorado football. Does anybody remember how people felt about Christian Laettner? Anybody remember that? I, I certainly do. I certainly remember all the names that Christian Laettner was called. Christian Laettner was a beast in college basketball, a beast, one of the most accomplished college basketball players of all time, legitimately, but he was known as an arrogant punk. That's what I see in Shador Sanders. See, my perception or my values or the way that I evaluate. It's not predicated on skin color. It's predicated on behaviors that are consistent with values that I believe in and want to see. Most of the people defending Colorado and, and, and not taking an objective view on what they're seeing from Colorado and Dion and his sons, their values aren't consistent. Their values are based on skin color. And so they can't see the Christian Laettner in Shador Sanders. And, and when I say Christian Laettner, for those of you not as old as me I don't, I'm talk, this dude was an incredible college basketball player and had a solid NBA career. Didn't live up to the hype, but had a solid NBA career. That's what I see in Shador Sanders, a incredible college player three games in. We'll see how it plays out. I, to me, when I look at it, I'm like, oh man, this guy's gonna be a good pro player. But his attitude, that arrogance, that privilege, that entitlement, looks just like Christian Leitner. And so I'm a fruit inspector, looking at Dion's fruit, I'm looking at Shiloh contradicting his father and throwing gas on a beef that could spin out of control, could. And I'm looking at Shador Dion's other fruit with an arrogance and an entitlement and a privilege that's pretty hard to ignore. And then even if you if you went if you took the time to go to Dion Sanders Jr. If you went to took the time and go look at his social media feed and all the different things he tweets out, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And so when you hear me questioning like, hey, what are the values being promoted here? What, what's being reinforced? What's being instilled in these young people?
0: So you heard what uh, Jason Whitlock had to say uh, there. This man said a lot of things that I have to say that I totally disagree with. Um, vehemently disagree with. He was making it seem like Shador's arrogance was somehow a a black thing. Like as black athletes that are this arrogant and all of this stuff. But then at the same hand, He was using Christian Leitner as an example of someone that's arrogant. And I'm like, but they've been arrogant athletes all throughout the annals of sports forever. Muhammad Ali was arrogant. Uh, uh, Larry Bird was arrogant. Tom Brady was arrogant to a certain extent. Michael Jordan was arrogant. It's what makes these guys. These guys have huge egos. So, of course, they're going to be arrogant. What that has to do with the football game Only Jason Whitlock and the good Lord in heaven knows what that has to do with the football game. He then goes into, he goes to the next level where he now starts questioning the things that Deion Sanders Jr. I think his name is Deion Sanders Jr. posts on social media. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, why are you going this far? You've questioned every single aspect about the coach. Now you're questioning various aspects about his children and in turn questioning his parenting. What does that have to do with a bloody thing that's taken place on the field? What does it have to do with anything? What does it have to do with anything? Why are you going to Deion Sanders' son's page on Instagram and monitoring what the guy's kids are posting why are you doing that what does what his kids are posting on social media have to do with what the coach is doing on the field how are those two things even related you're questioning the guy's parenting style first of all before we even get to the parent his parenting style he starts talking about the fact he's wearing jewelry and all of these things Jason You know, I would expect you to know this as a black man. Blacks like jewelry. I don't know why you're so shocked by this. You're a black man. Knock, knock, knock. You're a black man, Jason Whitlock. Why is this surprising to you? That black people like shiny things. Come to Africa and look around. You will find black people wearing shiny things. They kind of like those things. It's a thing about blacks. They're not the only race that do it. Whites do it too. They wear their own jewelry as well as other races. Go to uh, various countries around the world. You see them wearing jewelry. For whatever reason, you seem to be transfixed on blacks wearing jewelry. I don't know why. Why is it only black people's jewelry you're noticing, Jason? I'm trying to figure it out. I've been in various places around the world. I've seen some ladies wearing jewelry, diamonds, Rolex watches. These are white women. I don't think a damn thing of it because they're wearing jewelry. Says nothing to me one way or the other. For some reason, this is some breaking news to you. Oh my God, these black people wearing jewelry. Bro, you black. Jason, you're black. Let me say one more time for you. You're black. You're black. Let me just remind you. I don't know why you're so surprised by this. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you're talking about the guy as a, as a father. I had to Google this. Jason Whitlock, how can you know how to raise kids when you yourself don't have kids? Help me figure it out. Unless I, I mean, I Google I couldn't find it. Maybe you let me know. How do you do this? How can you question a family unit <clears throat> and a family structure when you're not married? What basis, what what credibility do you have on this subject at all? Hmm? You're speaking about the family structure. Bro, show us the family structure. structure. Show us the blueprint. Show us the way. Okay, you're commenting on things you have no idea about. You're saying how the man should raise his child. Meanwhile, we don't have an example for us to look at to say, OK, let's see how Jason Whitlock raised his son or his daughter. We don't have that. But yet you're sitting up there critiquing the man as a father and it, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> Cole as a father and a parent. Why are you doing this? You then took it a step further <clears throat> and started talking about I'm judging the fruit. I'm judging the fruit, the biscuits. I'm judging the fruit of this guy's parent. And I'm looking at the fruit. And I'm looking at the fruit and the upbringing. Uh, sorry to break it to you. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, there are a lot of successful people, black, white, green, purple, who are wildly successful and their kids fall short. And they're not like their parents and not as successful as their parents. Just look at what's happening in the White House. And that's no diss. I'm giving you guys an example. Just look around society. Is this the first time you've heard something like this? But hold up. In the case of Deion Sanders' kids, you can't even compare them to that because these men are successful. They're already millionaires from based on my understanding. This guy they're talking about he could be one of the Heisman candidates or one of the top uh, draft picks going into the, ne- the next NFL draft. And you're up here talking about his, Jane, his chain or if he wants to buy a, ro- uh, buy a Rolls Royce. Is it your money? Is it your money to critique? To question? I don't think it sends a bad price. To who? It shows you that, well, things are... Le- if, the, if the boy is earning his own money, by all means, let him do it. If it's his own money. Now, if it's my son or my daughter and she wants to do that, if you see daddy driving a Porsche or something and you're like, dad, I want a Porsche and you can't afford a Porsche, you better jump in that Camry. I'll buy you a beautiful Toyota Camry. Beautiful one. Gorgeous one. Brand new, even if you like it. If you want a nice car, BMW, then you got to go get your money. Don't look at daddy's money. Don't look at daddy's money. That's just my philosophy, though. That's my philosophy. But it doesn't mean that my way of doing things are the way to do it. It doesn't mean that. But in your case, what basis do you have to even be saying the things that you're saying? Bro, my fellow, my brother. It's time to let it go. I know you cannot wait for Saturday to roll around and to watch Colorado lose. And I'm very sure that when they lose, you're going to come up on your show and tell us why. It's because of his chain. It's because of his hair. It's because of Deion Sanders' hat. It's because of his glasses. It's because of his religion. Those are the reasons that he lost. And God didn't want him to win. That's what you're going to say because God called you and told you. Bro. This dude, I'm beginning to realize this is going to be an ongoing thing. So I'm here. We all here for it. We all here for it. These are my thoughts. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, um, over the last, let me say, five to seven years, we've started seeing um, NBA players and athletes come into the independent space. We're talking about media, right? Uh, normally, whenever these gentlemen retire, they would then go on television to go get a, a gig on TV. But now you see guys doing their own podcasts. You have Paul George. You have um, Up in Smoke with Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. Uh, you have um, uh, what's his name, JJ Redick. You have a whole bunch of other. You have a whole bunch of people out there. But then, of course, of course, there's Draymond Green. And then, of course, you have uh, Gilbert Arenas, right? Now, Gilbert Arenas is a very interesting case. Very interesting case because he was one of the more enigmatic players uh, when he played in the NBA. Obviously, he was an all-star, a great player when he played uh, in the NBA. Agent Zero, I mean, he put up some pretty, pretty amazing games. Uh, One of his biggest claims to fame is the game he scored 60 against Kobe and the Lakers. So a lot of Gilbert Arenas supporters are wearing that like a like a Finals MVP. That's their Finals MVP uh that they that he scored 60 to 60 on the Lakers. That's the that's the championship ring uh for them, right? So ever since Gilbert Arenas got into media, at first I was expecting him to give some serious honest takes on sports, but then as time went on, I began to realize that Gilbert Arenas is what we would consider uh in modern day terms a troll right Gilbert arenas uh, figured out that okay there are a few ways you can make um you can generate noise for yourself in sports media you can either do it by giving great takes you can either do it by maybe having a show that's combative or you can be a contrarian and give just ridiculous ridiculous takes and then that's the way to build an audience because you're building an audience because your people are people are now watching you out of like out of anger because they're annoyed because they, they think okay this guy's gonna say something and that's how you generate generate a buzz for yourself similar to what Nick Wright does Nick Wright knows that there's money in being wrong so that's why he does predominantly some of the th- <laughs> some of the things that he does and over the years Gilbert Arenas has had one wacky take after the other you need to go no further. Then listening to him explain why he believes MJ is better than LeBron, and then listening to him explain why he believes LeBron is better than MJ. Then listen him talk about why Kobe is a great player, and then listen to him talk about why Kobe wasn't all of that, and he was a horrible defender. Although Kobe made nine All First defensive teams, tied for the most in NBA history for guards, but he's a he's a horrible defensive player. Uh, you know, then Kawhi Leonard couldn't guard. Or just just the the, the, Gil- the Gilbert Arenas way, right? So, what happened recently, there was some news that came out. I didn't really think it was big news, but nevertheless, some people try to make it into some big news, which was this. Giannis Antetokounmpo announced that he was going to be seeking out the services of Hakeem Olajuwon. Arguably, the greatest two-way big man in NBA history. One of the top five centers of all time. Top 10 player, uh, easily. Uh, of all time, someone that even like a Michael Jordan and these guys hold in very high regard. So when Giannis said that to people like myself, I was like, I can understand that because you got to look at some of the players that Hakeem worked with. He worked with Amari Stoudemire. He worked with Dwight Howard. He worked with LeBron James. He worked with uh, Kobe Bryant. I believe he worked with Carmelo Anthony. I could be wrong. I could, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, he worked with some top of the shelf uh, players, right? And he went to go work on their skills. Now, the person that really picked up a lot of his moves was Kobe, right? If you look at Kobe's post game, his footwork, you can see the influence of it, right? So Kobe was able to pick it up, but LeBron did as well uh, in various ways. So what happens? Gilbert Arenas uh, gets a whiff of this because now we're talking about football, we're talking about the Colorado and other things. So Gilbert Arenas is like, man, I'm, I, people got to start talking about me. So I got to think of some dumb, you know, what to do to get my name out there. Ah, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm going to go with Kareem. So Gilbert Arenas then comes on his show called No Chill Gil. And he goes on this rant about why he believes Giannis Antetokounmpo should not train with Akeem Olajuwon. So what we want to do is we want to quickly play some of his comments or whatever his words. And then we want to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there.
2: I just woke up and I read 12 years after LeBron James spent $50,000. a week. On Hakeem Olajuwon Sessions, Giannis expresses interest in doing the same. Look, <laughs> I've critiqued Giannis in his post-up mood, but ain't no way in today's hell you spend 50000 on Hakeem Olajuwon training. LeBron James did it. You ain't seen a dream shape. Martin Luther, I need a dream move since he left this camp. You ain't seen that resembled Hakeem Olajuwon and LeBron James, let alone anybody, whoever, first of (laughs) all, who wants to learn a move from somebody who did it in 1990 anyway? You got Google, Giannis, go to Google, tap this you will see is this, here. For free, <laughs> for free, I'll give you a tutorial. Hey, this is Akeem One right now. This is what you do, when you got a big man on you, you gonna hit him with the pull, 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 He don't even have this in his repertoire. Hit him with the heat, he didn't come back with the heat. He didn't have that, I just gave it to you free. Then he gonna tell you, get him on the block. When you feel him, when you feel him around you, are gonna spin off. This is, <laughs> I'm sorry, but nobody doing this sh-. All you old some. Down. Nobody, nobody want the Hakim Elijah Woods guy. Nobody want none of that. All right, let it go. 50. 000. You should be ashamed of yourself. Charging these young whippersnappers 50. When you came in the league in 1984, you wasn't getting 50,000 a game. <laughs> you trying to make your money
0: back through the youth. Giannis, no. So that's what Gilbert had to say. Now, funny enough, before I even get into that, I, I actually put up a post. On our community a few minutes ago, before we even pr- even produced this show, and I said, "When will NBA players start holding themselves accountable?" When you have people like Gilbert Arenas trolling constantly, and then incidentally, apparently NBA top seventy-five player Paul Pierce caught a whiff of what Katie had to say. I mean, uh, Katie uh, Gilbert Arenas had to say, and he pulled and he basically called them out. So I want to read quickly from an article called uh sports keto where they basically covered this. They basically covered what he had to say. And then Paul Pierce said in response to Gilbert Arenas, he said, You you crazy, Paul said Paul said, put some respect on Dream's name first of all. That move Dream made up on the baseline with one arm with the one arm fake layup. They still doing that today. Stop it, uh Paul Pierce said. So I'm happy to see a current NBA player actually say something um you know, to Gilbert Arenas. So, here are my thoughts. And uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be 100% honest. Gilbert Arenas is a troll. He is a troll. Uh, even if you look at the title of his video, <clears throat> he put up there, uh, Hakim Olajuwon scamming people. Now, Gilbert Arenas uh, is an idiot. Sorry to say, he's an idiot. And I think that, maybe a part of his sense of humor in there uh, because Gilbert Arenas is a bigot you can you can believe I've heard him talk about foreign players and incidentally if foreign players spoke the way that Gilbert Arenas spoke about American players y'all be up here hollering about oh my god they hate they hate us and they hate us but when Gilbert Arenas is doing y'all be sitting up there chuckling with him right Uh, abiding by his nonsense but Gilbert Arenas is a bigot I can hear the way that he talks so maybe I'm sure in his mind that when he put like scamming under there probably like ah cause Nigerian scam and Gilbert Arenas I mean uh Kim Olajuwon is a scammer and all of these different things he- here's my thoughts I don't mean to offend- oh, let me not say I don't mean I'm gonna just say what I think I think Gilbert Arenas is only impressive to dumb <laughs> I'm sorry I think only dumb <laughs> think that Gilbert Arenas is smart I'm sorry. The other day I heard someone say, he's so articulate. Gilbert Arenas is, arti- the guy speaks English in hieroglyphics. The guy, Gilbert Arenas is the only person I've heard that can talk for about 10 minutes and say absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. The guy will be up there shouting and hollering and screaming. Have you ever seen Gilbert Arenas get into an argument on his own show? Have you ever seen a Gil- Gilbert Arenas get into? A- if you want to know what it's like watching Gilbert Arenas argue, go sit down, put like a toy between two or three year olds that they both want, and watch them fight over that toy. That is essentially what it's like listening to Gilbert Arenas uh, argue. The guy starts screaming and hollering. At one point, I'm looking at this dude like, "Yo, is this dude? Is he? Is he okay? Is he okay?" That's the first thing. Second thing, I got to call, and I got to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gil. We, we trolling. I'm, I'm joking. It's all jokes, so don't, don't get offended. It's all jokes. Yo, where is Gilbert Arenas from? This here has like 15 different accents, accents. Ain't you from Florida? You sound like somebody that's from either New York, Maryland, or the DMV area, Florida, and sometimes California. Bro, where you from? He be having his accent and nobody understand. I don't even know where you are from. I don't know where this dude is from. But anyway, back to the content. We are just jokes. We just I don't mean it. I'm just joking. <laughs> That's how he act. That's how this dude be acting. Listen. Gilbert Arenas I think is an embarrassment to um uh sports media. I 100% believe he's an embarrassment. I do. I think that The existence of a Gilbert Arenas in sports media, I think it requires that there are checks and balances uh, within the system to correct these type of things. What am I talking about? Gilbert Arenas represents NBA players, right? He represents them. So to me, when you have guys out there going out there saying idiotic things, I believe it's important that you have people like paul pierce and others call him out and say bro slow your roll you sound dumb you're embarrassing all of us let's get to the uh, Giannis on the Tucumbo thing first of all um hakeem olajuwon charging you fifty thousand dollars a week y'all do realize that hakeem olajuwon makes more than what he's charging these guys you do realize hakeem olajuwon is worth more money than gilbert arenas you you you, you do you do you do know this you do know Hakeem Olajuwon earned more money off the court with his brain than Gilbert Arenas did on the court. Hakeem Olajuwon is a real estate tycoon. He's worth over three hundred and what 40 million dollars. That's Hakeem Olajuwon. So if Hakeem Olajuwon is charging you fifty thousand dollars a week, he's charging you for his time. That's what he was doing. If I'm worth three hundred thousand, if I'm worth three hundred million dollars, and you want to come and pick my brain, my boy, you are gonna have to pay me up some serious cash. Number one, so you respect my time. Number two, because my time is money. And for me to sit up here, get dressed, get into the gym, come up with a workout program for you. What, I'm going to do it for free? Hell no, I'm not doing it for free, number one. Number two, in the case of Giannis Antetokounmpo spending $50,000 with Akema Lai, it's called an investment. Dudes throw 100000 in a strip club. Now, all of a sudden, when somebody's charging you $50,000 for something, this is going to improve your basketball game. Now, all of a sudden, what? You're screaming and hollering? You're you shouting and screaming? If if Giannis is able to incorporate some of those moves into his basketball game and he goes on to become a better player, what's the value of $50,000? That's the same. And finally, the third thing. He's... T- oh, my God. That's what happens when you talk about... That's what happens when you're trying to explain some dumb stuff some dumb dude said. Giannis training with Akeem Elijah one makes perfect sense. If you watch Giannis, and I was watching some Akeem highlights, Giannis is the more effective player in the in the open court. But when he gets into the half court, he can be limited at times. Giannis can only really attack facing up his uh, f- uh, facing up his defender when he's facing him. He's not as effective using his back, and when he does play with his back against the basket. He's not as polished. So if you go work with a Nakeem, you can polish your post moves. You can have better footwork to score more efficiently in the post. That's number two. Number three, you can actually start to plan for the future by incorporating all of these different skill sets into your basketball game now. So when your athleticism begins to diminish, at least you can lean on a post game that works. Hakeem Olajuwon, well, I'm not Hakim Olajuwon, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't jumping out of the arena. He had a sky hook and some other moves that were unstoppable. So for you to say Giannis should have, so who should go work with you? Well, hold up. Ain't this the same Gilbert Arenas to say Giannis Antetokounmpo needs to work on his game? Well, Gilbert, since you have all of this experience, who are the players that train with you? Why ain't nobody calling you up to train with you? This is what I'm trying to figure out. Where are these stars? Why are they not calling you up? Hmm? Why are they not calling you up? Finally, I'll say this. I think Gilbert Arenas is like an older dude that doesn't know when to give up his childhood. I think he's one of these dudes that wants to be young forever. That wants to be acting like the young boys, even in his 40s. Gilbert Arenas is 41 years old. 41 years old ladies and gentlemen that was a 41 year old man talking like that a 41 year old man with kids talking like that a 41 year old gilbert arenas is my senior by what five years and you're talking like that number one number two why you I think Gilbert feels like the only way for me to be relevant with younger guys is that I got to diss older players. But not realizing that you're turning yourself into a bozo as well. Why would you diss the generation that came before you that made it possible for you to even play in the NBA and earn and earn all that damn money? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Would you following JJ Redick? What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? You are 41 years old, man. Stop. This laughing and hollering with your East Coast, West Coast, Down South, Midwest accent that you got, bro, you gotta cut it out, man. You gotta cut it out. You got to. You talking about Hakeem Olajuwon like he's just some dude? You're a bozo. You're a bozo. You've been. You've been. It's been proven that you're a bozo. You will self sabotage yourself over some madness. So this y'all man, Gilbert Arenas, but it's just jokes. It's just jokes, Gilbert. Don't take it personal. Don't take it. Don't pull out a hammer on me, bro. Please don't take it personal. You know, you a dumb, so you can do anything. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Uh, I was doing some research um, and I came across an interesting article. Uh, from FadeAwayWorld.net. And uh, this article essentially uh, was centered on some comments that Shaquille O'Neal had to make about the Colorado head coach, Colorado Buffalo's head coach, um, uh, Deion Sanders, where he was essentially comparing him to uh, Phil Jackson. So I actually want to get into this article here. It starts off with the headline, Shaquille O'Neal compares college football coach Deion Sanders to Phil Jackson and then continues on. While it doesn't have much to do with the NBA, the University of Colorado football team and their head coach Deion Sanders have been dominating headlines recently and the NBA world has been sucked into it. The prominent talking heads and media members talking about it. Shaquille O'Neal is the latest to give his take on Sanders and his program, interestingly comparing him to his former coach. When we were down 15, when we were down 15, there was a camera that panned to Deion's face, and it reminded me of Phil Jackson. And I've always said, if the gen, if the general doesn't panic, the troops don't panic, Shaq told TMZ. Shaq then went on to expand on the comparison, saying that he knows exactly what Deion Sanders players feel like. He said, I know exactly what Colorado, yeah, what the players are going through because when you're standing in front of someone that, that has an impressive resume and you're trying to get to the level he gets to, everything you say is golden. I felt that way when Phil Jackson first came to the Lakers. He also called Sanders the biggest coach in college football. O'Neill said, Dion right now is the best coach in college football. You heard it here first. Phil Jackson is the winningest coach in NBA history with 11 championships to his name, three of which were with Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers. Shaq saying this is the highest praise he can give Deion uh, Sanders. Right? Right? <clears throat> And then uh, he, the article goes on to say a few other things. Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal spoke about how he and Kobe never panicked because they, they had Phil uh, Jackson. The article then continues on. Phil Jackson arrived in 1999 and the team immediately rattled off, three, rattled off a three-peat with O'Neal giving Jackson props for bringing the success to him and Bryant. Before Phil got there, me and Kobe, we got swept all the time. But when he came there and stepped in the locker room, we saw he didn't panic. So it taught us not to panic. We know that this guy... Uh, knows what he's talking about and then the article goes on to say uh, a few other things there you see as, as he said that and I was thinking about it after I read his quotes originally this morning it began to make me realize that there are more similarities between Deion Sanders and Phil Jackson than, than one that Shaq just brought up which is basically his cool temperament and not being flustered and panicking especially uh, externally where you, if your players see that you're rattled uh, they themselves will start begin to get rattled, start second guessing themselves. And it made me remember a time when Phil Jackson called out Kobe Bryant to the press. You see, Phil was infamous for basically going to the press and calling out his players and playing and playing mind games with them. That's what he would do. It's his way of pushing, uh pushing buttons. Instead of Phil telling you directly, he'll go to the media, then you'll hear about it, then you will get pissed off, and then you have more, you play with more regression, more fire, and then you go out here, you go out there and get the result. But I, he didn't he didn't do that with every player, he handled different players uh differently. And then I went back to do some research and I saw a clip. Of Phil Jackson doing this very thing, calling out Kobe Bryant publicly, and then it remind me, right, reminded me of an interview, not an interview a press conference, that Deion Sanders did just a day or two ago, where he was kind of giving information, you know, talking to the press leading up to the game this Saturday, where he did the exact same thing to his offense and his defense and his special teams, and I was like, damn, this is, I mean, it's pretty much the same guy. So what we want to do is i gonna quickly play what Phil Jackson and Deion Sanders had to say about their players publicly, and then we're gonna come back and continue out the show. Take a listen to this here.
3: Well, it's just it's a matter of focus. Uh, you know, the um, you know the game got in a point where uh, you know we didn't use our strengths, which is our inside players. Uh, Powell gets you know nine shots in the course of a game. Some of it's his own, you know, responsibility, but. Um, we didn't use that focus that we have in a ball game. We start off the game, I think Powell got what, six out of our first eight points. He didn't score again in the half. First half um, ended up the game with 10. He got four more points in the second half. and He's too good a player for a game like that. And, you know, as a result, you know, we get behind, you know, early in the third quarter on some stupid plays, you know, poor passing, um, poor transition defense, and then, you know, Kobe has to screw up the – you know game and start you know you know energizing the team by going one on one. It takes the rest of the guys out. and as a consequence, that didn't bring us back in. but you know it did give us a little run. We got the game back a little bit, but we couldn't sustain it. And uh, we just went right back and made the same mistakes again. Uh, so, obviously, this last game was a lot about resilience, winning in a very different way. Yes. How does that then translate into a very tough test against Oregon this week? Well,
2: we're not trying to just be resilient. We, we, we don't want to get to that point where we have to be resilient. We want to get out to a great start. Um, we have not played a complete game. We have not played a game where the offense, defense, as well as special teams has all shown, shown up in the same manner. Um, If if the offense is playing well, the defense is is hot garbage. If the defense is playing well, the offense is horrible. Um, And special teams aren't special. So we got to put it all together to be able to defeat a team like Oregon in that manner. We got to put it together.
0: So you heard Phil and um, Deion Sanders. Uh, I think Shaq was spot on. I think Shaq was spot on. Shaq is one of these people that Um, rarely gives out praise to players. But whenever he does, you know that he means it. He doesn't just heap praise on everyone. He doesn't just call any person great. He doesn't do that. The only NBA player right now that I've heard Shaq call great on numerous occasions is number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo, if we're talking about big men. And I think he's done the same for Nikola Jokic. I could be wrong. But for, for Shaq to do that, it takes a lot. So in this case, For him to draw that type of comparison and that parallel, he knows exactly what he's saying. You don't just put Phil Jackson in the same sentence with just any old body. Now, some people will say, oh, wait a minute. It's too premature. This guy's only coached three games and blah, 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 blah. And to to those people, I understand your position. I get it. I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point to make. But it doesn't mean that the comparison isn't true because I saw some of those highlights from that game. And in a moment like that, when you're down and you're in pressurized moments, especially going into overtime, and this is not like some NFL coach or something like this, although he's an NFL Hall of Famer and he's been in pressurized situations before, you could just tell that he had a common effect on his players. And if if his players saw him crack, it would definitely affect them because, again— these are very young men in college. We're not talking about guys that are playing in the NFL that are in their mid-20s, some guys in their mid, uh, mid-30s, mid early 30s, right? These are still young guys, and they're going to be looking up to him, not just for guidance in terms of X's and O's and things to do and schemes, uh, all of these things they're doing on the field, but also from an emotional level. If we're going through some serious adversity here, if I look over at my head coach, I want to make sure that we're still all on the same page. But if he looks like the sky is fallen on his face, then I'm going to start getting worried too. I'm going to start second guessing some of the things we're trying to run. That was one of the issues. For those of you who don't know, that's one of the issues that Shaquille O'Neal had with Stan Van Gundy. No, no, no. Uh, Yeah, Stan Van Gundy, not Jeff Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy's brother. Stan Van Gundy, although they never coached him, he was then the head coach of Dwight Howard when he was playing for the Orlando Magic. He would always, he would always criticize him and call him the master of panic. Why? Because whenever something was going wrong in a basketball court, Stan Van Gundy would always let his feelings and emotions know, uh, be known. He'll be pulling his hair. he would be jumping up. You'll see him doing like this. he would be panicking. And then his players will see that. And then they will probably react to what their coach is doing. But if you look at a Phil Jackson, go look at a Phil Jackson game when the Lakers were in trouble. Phil Jackson has the same expression from the beginning of the game to the end. He would just sit up there in his high chair with a straight face. Kobe can fly by and do a windmill. His facial expression ain't going to change. The team will get down 15 points. He ain't going to do a damn thing. And Phil Jackson is infamous for not calling timeouts when his team is in trouble. If anybody that follows the NBA, they'll know this. Their team can be falling into a and he will not call a timeout because in his mind, he wants to give his players the opportunity to get themselves out of the mess that they put themselves in. Not saying that this is the only way, because I've seen Greg Popovich, who's also a basketball savant, call timeouts when his team goes down. So it was just the Phil Jackson way, but to hear him give him this kind of praise, it goes to show you that Deion Sanders is doing something right. So thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.